I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Scored back in round two. This is round seven. The Rivermen really need this point. The Arrows, well, they need it just as much. Let's see what Locke can do. The captain in. A move. A shot. He scores! (laughs) All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Want to start this episode off by saying thank you very much. To uh, Dutch, who's landed a little sponsor here for us, our second sponsor, Maui Gym. Make sure you're hitting us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We got our new contest just releasing this week for a brand new pair of Maui Gym sunglasses, retailing over $300. Fantastic. But folks, we got sports back. We got hockey, 12 to 12. We got basketball, 12 to 12. Ginger might be getting a divorce soon because I can't turn the television off. I can't be getting enough of this stuff. We got Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. We got the PJ Championship in golf. It's nonstop, baby, and it's August. Are and you I'm done? Be- Are you done? Are you done? Are you done? I'm excited too, okay? Slow down here. I'm, I'm a co-host now. I'm, I'm officially not a guest anymore. I'm a co-host, okay? Land of the last two guests. Pumped to have on Corey Locke, local kid. Are you ready for this? I'm ready to go. All right, Ginger, take it away. Awesome. Well, Dutch, um, we're excited to have on the show. I want to introduce uh, two-time Calder Cup winner, 2010-11, Les Cunningham, MVP, um, Mr. Corey Locke. Corey, are you on the line with us? I am. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Amazing. Uh, thanks for coming on, Corey. We, uh, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming on um, to talk about uh, your amazing career. Um, meant a lot to Dutch and I, Newmarket-born guy, um, local guy. So it was nice to uh, to get you on and be able to uh, to tell your story and talk about your career with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Good old Newmarket boys. Can't turn absolutely guys down at all. No yeah, plans. yeah. Well, we I I met you when you were a young junior at uh, Glenway Country Club, and uh, we watched you through uh, your 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 one solo year with the Newmarket Hurricanes, and then you went off to a very successful OHL career. So we're uh, we're excited to ask you. A little bit what's happening um tell us a little bit uh, about you know how it all started for you and and when you thought like you had a good enough chance to to play pro Corey yeah you know um you know I was always a pretty good minor hockey player um you know I was I was on some good teams I think that helps in minor hockey to be honest with you I played with some really good good players um kind of pushed me I think and I, I if you ask my dad, and I know you guys know my dad, like I, I love the game. Like I was in the basement all the time, shooting pucks and stick handling, and you know working on my my skills and stuff. And you know I never had to ask. To, my dad never had to tell me to go down and do anything. Like I just loved the game of hockey. So I think that's what kind of drove me, like the passion, and I think I had that eternal fuel and that des- desire to you know make it or or be a player, you know, and try to make the NHL. So I think. Um, I think when it really came in was kind of, you know, after my first year in, 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 sorry, my second year in, in Ottawa, to be honest, I, as you said, I, I played for the new market hurricanes and that was a great learning experience and a great step for me to get into the OHL. And, um, probably one of my most fun years, to be honest with you, um, playing at playing, I went to St. Mike's so I could play in the GTHL for, for two seasons and, uh, had to commute you know, up at 6am had to commute, wasn't getting home to midnight and stuff and really had no life. And, and then I got to play, you know, for the new market hurricanes, I got to go to new market high, be around my buddies and my family. And that, that was, to be honest, it was, it was awesome. So, um, and then off to junior off to Ottawa. And, and I think, uh, you know, that second year in Ottawa, when I kind of took off and, and had a, had a pretty decent, uh, decent year that year. Um, how about, how about, how about amazing year? Wasn't it? Uh, I was looking it up. It's still top 10, believe it or not in the OHL, 151 points in 66 games. I'd say that's uh, more than a pretty good uh, season. Yeah. So I think, I think then kind of knew I, I could, I could fit in cause there was some really, you know, obviously there was some, 
a lot of uh, great players in the OHL at that time and a lot of guys that went on to have ma- major careers in the NHL. And, you know, I was competing against those guys and, and kind of, you know, you know, doing well against them and, and sometimes outplaying them at certain times and stuff. So I think that gave me the, like, you know, that gave me the confidence that, you know, I could really, you know, make something and, you know, really, you know, kind of make a career out of it, whether it was going to be in the NHL or in the AHL or in Europe or wherever it turned out. That's awesome. And you had, you had um, two amazing seasons that uh, those were your back-to-back uh, MVP seasons with Ottawa and then uh, drafted by Montreal, if I'm correct. Yeah. 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 Like, it was uh, a little different for sure. Like I was, uh, you know, a, a, a Toronto kid, you know, and, <laughs> um, you know, getting drafted by Montreal, but it, you know what, it was, it, it was really cool. I, 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 I wasn't a Montreal fan. I wasn't really, uh, a fan of any teams to be honest I, I i think i like more just players in general um but i always cheer i guess i would always cheer for toronto to do well um being a toronto kid so getting drafted to montreal was a little different of course um but it was pretty cool because i got drafted by you know original six team uh one of the mis- like one of the most historic franchises in the nhl and and, and possibly like the world too you know so it was yep. really cool to be um you know drafted by montreal and, and and have that experience and it was uh it was great to be honest so yeah and as you start to work through your career um you know old four oh five oh six and and you start to play with some of these um great players um a part of that montreal franchise from um lapierre and chris higgins and and the likes of Carey Price. Yep. Um, how special was that 06-07 season for the Bulldogs to uh, to be able to uh, take it home? Obviously, you know, Carey Price comes back down and, and leads, uh, you know, the back end with some great goaltending. But not only that, you you led the team in, in playoff scoring that year and, and were really, you know, a dominant force in that playoff run with you and Carey. Like, how special was that to you? Yeah, it was great. You know, I I really enjoyed like playing in Hamilton, right? Like it was close. I got to play in the Canadian city and obviously in the American league, the, you, it takes you all over the, all over the map, right? A lot in the, in the States and stuff like that. So it's pretty neat to play, you know, in Hamilton, my mom and dad could come down and watch me quite a bit, um, which was, it was, you know, kind of felt like a junior again, it was a closer ride for my dad instead of five hours to Ottawa. It was only about an hour and a half down from Newmarket, Right. So that was pretty cool. And then that year, you know, we were just, we were a good hockey team. We were, we had some great veterans. I was a, I was 22, 23 at the time. So uh, still in my entry level contract. And we, we just had some very good uh, veterans, uh, AJ Baines, Eric Manilow, Dan Janseski, like these guys were really like the core of our team and really kept everyone like on a level head. And, and um, it just, to be honest, it just came together. We were a good team, but I think we finished, you know, third in our, our division. And it wasn't like we ran away with the league or anything, but Kerry Price came signed um, out of uh, the WHL. And to be honest, when he signed and he played the first couple of games, I remember he played a, Friday night and a Sunday night of the last weekend of the season. And he was phenomenal. Like I, I still remember the first game we, we were playing Grand Rapids and we, we, we were shorthanded five on three and he made like three backdoor cross box East West saves. It was unbelievable. And oh. I think kind of like right then, like everyone kind of like looked and be like, wow, this guy's legit. And in my head, I was like, how did he lose in junior? <laughs> like how did yeah. these kids scoring? I'm like, and he was yeah. big and he was just, he was just so solid. And, and um, so he started the playoffs for us and, and, and just then it kind of like, it, it kind of clicked for us. We, we beat Rochester in six games and then we beat Manitoba in six games and both like almost like all three of us played the same system in the same way. And um, so to get through that, that was, you know, probably to be honest, that was probably our hardest, hardest two series. And then um, we played Chicago and, you know, they, we got through them in five games and then in the finals, Kerry was unbelievable again. And, um, we ended up winning in five games and that, that was pretty cool to win a championship at kind of, and, and, and cops at the time in Hamilton and to see the crowd and, and, and the size of the rink and stuff like that. So it was, it all came together. Everyone had a little part to do with it. Um, to be honest, uh, to be like, to be truly honest, it, it really showed like how, you know, if you're going to win a championship, you need like everyone. And to be honest, you know, 
backup goalie came in at the times. We got fourth line guys that scored in overtime. You just needed everyone's production, and we got that. And it was a pretty special run for sure. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that great insight there, Corey. That's that's amazing. Corey, when I when I start to uh, when I start to add it all up, and and you know I'm a stats guy for for those that know me, and and I know we are passive uh, crossed along the way as as young kids, and yeah, I look at your career in its entirety, and it's an absolutely unbelievable career, and I I look at the AHL specifically, you know, uh, 649 games played, 578 points in those 650 games. Um, still leading all-time scoring for for the Bulldogs franchise. I know they've moved all-time, but how did you, you know, uh, being drafted by Montreal, uh, then being flipped over to, I believe, Minnesota, and then to New York, and then uh, with Ottawa, how did you deal with um, adversity or frustration with some of the, um, just, you know, not really for me, through my eyes, when I look at it, not really getting a fair crack to, to go play in, in the big show in the NHL. You know, I see you dominate the AHL and, and I'm sitting there going, when is this kid going to get his shot? And it, uh, it just never came around. How did you deal with that frustration? Because you continually racked up points and you continually played great hockey. Um, was it just a positional thing or, um, you know, how did, how did you feel about it when you look back at it now? Well, I think it's a combination of both. You know, I think it's a little bit of timing and, and, and getting that break at the right time. And um, to be honest, I, 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 I didn't really get it, you know, <laughs> to, to be. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I got it. I got a great piece of advice from uh, a, a good friend. And, and I'm, I'm sure you guys know him, Jerry Donahue, Jerry D there, the comedian. And, um, you know, my dad, my dad's good friends with Jerry and, they go back to, to, to high school days and Jerry was um, my dad's substitute teacher and stuff. So I got it. And Jerry's been in the hockey world for a long time. And, and he just, he said to me, you know, um, you know, why don't you be the best player you can be at whatever level you're at? You know, no matter if you're in the AHL and you still don't want to be there, why don't you be the best player? And we'll just see what happens. And I really took that piece of advice and I was like, you know, I've kind of made it, through my career is that like you know if i'm in if i was in the ahl i wanted to be an mvp i want to be a top player and and you know and, and 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 then in doing that i hope that would get me the shot you know that i wanted in the nhl and unfortunately it didn't happen you know what you know, the breaks you need you need uh, to be in the right situation uh maybe not get you know uh stereotyped in one type of player and in one style of play and and that, that and that's the way it kind of went but you know, I, I, that was a great piece of advice from, from Jerry D and, and I, it, it, you know, I, I got it when I entered the AHL in my first couple of years. And I think that I took it all the way until I was, you know, 15 years later until I was retiring and, you know, had some really good years, my last years in, in, in Europe and, and did well in some of the leagues there. And, and, you know, it just, it drove me, you know, and that was a thing that really stuck with me over my career. And that's kind of how I, how I approached it every year. Well, that's great. And uh, it's funny that you, you got some great advice from Jerry D. Actually, we're working hard to get him on the show, believe it or not. We've got a connection. We've got a connection that way. So we're working on um, So we'll ask him a, a quick tidbit on that. Um, I'm he'll, put he'll, 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 tell you, he'll tell you the story. If you ever get him on, he'll tell you the story that everything, everything he told me to do, I didn't do. It's <laughs> not this thing. Like he, he told me uh, I was going to the GTHL. He told me to come play for Wexford because he was coaching there and I went to play for the Markham Islanders. And then uh, he was coaching. I don't know if he was coaching junior A or he had something to do with the Wexford Wexford junior A team at the time. And he told me to go play there. And I played for the new market hurricanes. Then he told me to go to school and I went to the OHL. So everything, <laughs> everything he tell, like, everything he, he'll, he'll tell, like what, whatever I told Corey did the opposite. So um, I, I did take that piece of advice for him and, and still it didn't work. So thanks Jerry. You know, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick. Uh, you know, yeah. fast forward to today's NHL and, we obviously have no doubt, but you know, with the likes of Johnny Goudreau and, and Mitch Mardner, um, we'll even throw out a, a young kid who's played two playoff games uh, with Montreal Suzuki. There's no doubt in my mind, you'd be in the NHL right now. What, what's your, do you, do you believe that with the, the way the style is now? Yeah, I think my game would have, would have suited this, this, this type of a play in this era more than it did. Uh, you know, I, when I played junior, it was all clutch and grab. 
um, that those, those rules didn't change until 2004 when that lockout happened. And, um, so I, I, I played in, in a different time. Um, that's for sure. And I think now you see, you know, you see what skill and hockey sense and playmaking and scoring ability does at the next level. And it's definitely, you do see it now, like, you know, cause it is playoff hockey. It is, it is more ramped up and, you know, these guys are playing to try to get in the playoffs right now. And, um, you know, there is intensity for sure, but I think it was a little bit different back then. Um, even when I came into pro, it was still a big man's game. Um, you know, it was transitioning just because of the new rules that were adapted, but it took time, right? It took time to, for the game to change. But again, a lot of players, and I think the way the players train now, um, you know, made the game so fast, you know, and and I was never the fastest skater. Um, I think a lot of, you know, scouts or, or GMs at the higher level would, I think they expected me to kind of be like, you know, a Marty St. Louis, if I was, I was small like that. And, you know, I wasn't that explosive uh, player, that skater, but um, I still felt like I could get around and, uh, was, uh, obviously I was able to get around if I, I, with what I did in my career, it just, I don't think it was as flashy or as, as fast as, as, as others wanted it to be. And I think with the training, I think that would have helped me. I think, you know, I, with all the, the training that is available to, uh, young players now, even at minor hockey and then through junior and stuff like that, like, I do believe that, you know, my skating and, and that would have been much better with, you know, being in the gym and, you know, through power skating coaches and skills coaches and all that kind of stuff. It, I think it would have helped me, but you know, that wasn't happening back then as much as, you know, it, 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 you know, skills coaches weren't the biggest thing back then. Um, right. The game was a bit different and the way, way we trained was different. And I think I would have suited now better. And I, you know, I think my speed would have been different if, you know, I put in the work at a, at a younger age, you know, and it was more um, specific training and, you know, it was more uh, what you do, you know, it's hockey's kind of a 12 month sport. Now when I grew up, it really wasn't. Right. But you still had a, you still had a, you know, we're talking 18, 19 years. So even though it was up and down at times, I mean, it's, pretty darn successful to see and you know i think uh, ginger here is going to talk a little bit about over overseas here in europe but that's a, it's a pretty he- it's a pretty long healthy career for that for that being you really only had one or two injury riddled seasons other than that you were pretty locked in uh, year in and year out so yeah I was, that's good, yeah, good, I was, right yeah i was fortunate and, and that's you know i got to play for 15 years uh professional hockey i, I got to do what uh, like you know a lot of kids dreamed about in new market, you know, new market boys and stuff dreamed about playing hockey in the NHL or professionally. And, you know, I got to, you know, I got to play a sport and a hobby for, you know, a lot for 15 years. So uh, I'm, I'm truly grateful for how long I, I got to play and um, no regrets. And, and, and I am truly grateful that, you know, I was able to play and then I'm for so long and I, and I am lucky that, you know, I got away, um, you know, retiring with, you know, I didn't have to go under the knife for any any surgeries. Um, no, uh, no known concussions, but I'm sure there was a few uh, like minor ones in there or something like that. Yeah. Like, but I, I I walked away in 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 a, in a good spot, and um, I think that was uh, that's huge for me. Awesome. So so I look back and at uh, you know the old the old nine ten season and the ten and eleven season uh, in the AHL and. And you, you know, continually dominate as your career builds and with Hartford having, you know, 85 points and, and you go to Binghamton with the, with the Senators and, and score 86 points in, in 69 games. What transitioned um, in 2012, uh, Corey, uh, for you to make that jump over to Europe? What was the transition there? And what was that transition like uh, jumping over to overseas? Yeah, I was just, uh, you know what, I, you know, I grinded it out. You know, I think it was, I was eight years in almost nine years into my career when I when I decided to go over and you know I, I just got you know a little you know it got a little frustrating you know that you know I wasn't getting the opportunity um to you know to play in the NHL and I thought I deserved it and I, I was trying to do everything I could do to to get there and um you know for a few years before going to Europe uh you know I was getting some interest and you know, I still wanted to chase the dream over here and stuff like that. And um, that's what I liked about so much about, you know, the American Hockey League is that even though, you know, you might not be a consideration um, in their minds up there, like, 
they don't really tell you that. So you, it's always, you know, you're always one phone call away or one injury away or a couple breaks away to getting called up. Right. So that was always, you know, that's the, that's the dream and that's what they kind of dangle in front of you. Right. So I just kind of got frustrated and I thought it was time to, you know, to move over and see what Europe was all about. And uh, I'm glad I did because, you know, just like, you know, anyone that goes to Europe, you're just, you're trying to extend your career, to be honest with you. And, and it extended my career. And, and I say that because, you know, there's veteran rules in the American Hockey League. And um, obviously, the, you know, as you can see in the NHL and the AHL, it's going younger and younger. Uh, the AHL really promotes, you know, as a development league for the NHL and the next superstars coming through that, you know, start in the AHL and then play in the NHL. And, um, so in, in every year, there's draft picks, right? There's more guys coming in and more guys wanting uh, spots. And it was just uh, it was that time to that I thought it was time to go over and, and, and continue my career playing and doing it in Europe and seeing the world a little bit over there. No, that's great. And, and th- you nailed it, right? You, I take you back to that piece of advice you got from Jerry D of being the best player at what you could be or what level you're at. Well, you know, 2010, 2011 hits with Binghamton and you win the Les Cunningham uh, award for the best player. Yeah. Um, you know, the likes of Jason Spezza, Tyler Johnson, Corey Conacher. How about Johnny Bauer are all on that trophy. Um, so I could just see the precipice of your frustration at that point. Um, you know, you look at some of these NHL rosters at the time and, and these teams, the Rangers and the, the Senators, they, they weren't that great good hockey teams, but it just felt like they had these veteran guys like you talk about at the center position um, that were just kind of clogging up spots for, a, a, to me, a, a young skilled guy that, that should have been right in there. Yeah, that's what I try to tell young players that I talk to now. Like, you know, don't get pigeonholed into being a centerman or um, – you know, learn to play the wing, learn to play both wings. And, and to be honest, I did play the wing a lot. Um, they, they, going back to that Calder Cup 2007, uh, we got guys back from Montreal because Montreal didn't make the playoffs that year. So yeah, yep. Pierre came back for, you know, he was up a lot of the year and he came back and that was a center spot. And uh, Miguel Gerboski, you know, he was there and Eric, we had a lot and we had a couple guys from uh, Edmonton too. So we were pretty deep down the middle. So, uh, that whole playoff, I played left wing, to be honest with you. I played left wing with Lapierre and Zach Stortini. Uh, yep. So, you know, I never had a problem playing the wing and stuff like that, but I guess, you know, everyone saw me at center and, and, um, and that's just the way it was, you know, it just didn't work out. You know, it was that, that year in Binghamton, it was, a, it was, a, it felt like um, the year in Binghamton felt like kind of like uh, the season in, um, 2007 with the Bulldogs we were a good team but we just made the playoffs um made the playoffs late in the year and and a lot of those guys like you said Ottawa made a lot of moves at the deadline and 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 got rid of a lot of guys for draft picks and a lot of the players went up around me um to play and they all got sent back down um for the playoff run and it was just kind of felt like the same thing it was just uh kind of everyone chipped in and it was just kind of one of those runs where you get past one round it's yep. another and it was it was pretty special you know and that one that one I think I savored more because at 22 23 winning a caller cup you don't really um just like you you hear it for everyone that doesn't win a championship and they get to the finals you know I'll, I'll you know I hope to get back one day or I'll be back one day you know you didn't really realize that you're just kind of going through it but and the second time around, it's it's so hard to win. You know, that's a tough trophy to win. And um, that was pretty cool. And that year it was just, you know, kind of things went right. Um, you know, I had I had uh, a really consistent year. Um, and, I, and, I, and I give a lot of credit to uh, Brian Kilray when I played in junior. Um, he was a big, you know, made sure that I, I, I bought into being consistent. Uh, you know, he said on Friday night, you better on Friday night in Ottawa, you know, with 10,000 fans, you better play like that on a Sunday afternoon when you're in Brampton with, you know, 400 fans. You know? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love or, it. Good old killer, Kingston right? on a, Kingston on a Tuesday night, you know, uh, you know, he made me as consistent as possible. And in that year with Binghamton, I, I don't know the number, but I think if, I think you said I played 69 games that year, I believe I had, point sorry in, in games 
over 50 games of that or 55 games. So I was pretty consistent. Yeah. Oh, I would say for sure. And then you flip over in uh, 2012, you go across overseas. Um, I think you started out in, uh, uh, in Finland and then got traded to the, uh, the German league. And uh, you had some crazy, crazy names over there. What was it like? I, you know, we had Daniel Briere. You, you got reunited with uh, your good old buddy, uh, Matty Foy. Um, Claude Giroux was over there. Rob Zepp. Newmarket Boy. Newmarket Boy. Newmarket I mean, New Boy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, it was great. Um, you know, so I, I went, I started in Finland and it wasn't really working out. Lockout again. It was a unique situation there. So I, um, I, 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 I left and I went to Berlin and th- that's when the NHL restarted. So Breer and, and Drew, they were gone, but I got to go back and uh, play with Matt Foy and Julian Talbot. And then I was coached by uh, Vince Millette. That coach was assistant coach in, in Ottawa when I was there too. So it was pretty cool to be around and back with the boys of like the 67s. And, and obviously it was really special too that, um, you know, I got to play again with Matt Foy Um and Talbot, but Matt Foy, me and him played together in that, that big year I had in Ottawa. He was my right winger and, and we had instant connection right away when we were put together um, in Brampton on a Sunday afternoon, about five, six games into the season. And, and uh, you know, we, we pushed each other, but you know, what was great was that it didn't matter that year. And I haven't played with too many guys like this. Um, You know, it didn't matter if, if Matt had three goals and I had three assists on a Friday night. And then the next night it was the opposite. It was, it didn't, we didn't care who scored. Like not one of us was the shooter and not one of us was the playmaker. It was just like a combined effort. You know, we just wanted, you know, we just wanted to produce offense. So uh, going back to Berlin, we got to play on the same line together at times. And it was, it was really, it was really cool. And then in that final game, I played a lot with Talbot and, got to set up uh, Julian a few times for a couple goals when in the final game. So it was, uh, it was an awesome experience in Berlin. It was, uh, I wish I, I wish I could have gone back there and, and played with them some more, but it, it didn't work out. But uh, to win that third championship with the 67s boys was extremely special. Um, and I'll remember that one for sure. That's cool. Now I, I would have said, you know, the lifestyle over there, but you know, if you have some of the local boys and, you know, with Matt and, um, was there was there any challenges with you know your language barriers and, and the hockey culture over there like what was it like like tell me a good story like was there did you have some fun out there as well and uh, was it a lot different you know um, I know you said you traveled a little bit but it was all day trips and that was what was the what was the culture like yeah it was it's it's different for sure um you know it's 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 <laughs> I want to say it's more laid back, but it isn't at the same time. Like they, mm-hmm. when you go over there, you're expected as an import to, you know, almost do everything, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be the guy on most teams and stuff like that. So it's highly pressured, but I guess when I say it, it's, it's maybe a little more laid back in the sense that, you know, you don't wear suits to the games at and certain places and certain teams and, and that stuff's a little different. And, and I guess the language barrier too, you know, it's very, it's very, uh, you know, clicky because you have, you have national team players, Germans or Swiss or, you know, Austrians, wherever I played. And then you have a bunch of imports, right? So, you know, the imports kind of stick together and then, you know, the national team players stick together. And it was, it was kind of very similar to when I played in uh, uh, Montreal, you know, you had French guys that would stick sure. together, Europeans would stick together. Then the, then, you know, they, you know, the Canadian, the, the English Canadians would kind of stick together. So it kind of, to be honest, it kind of reminded me of that when I went to Europe. And um, yep. and, I, and, the, and some of the Europeans are great. Some of the, the, the teammates that I played with were phenomenal and welcomed, you know, me, my wife, my daughter into their homes and, you know, dinners and stuff. They're fantastic people, you know, and the culture was is, is different. And I got to travel the world, which is pretty cool. I got, a, I got an eight-year-old daughter and um, – I be I believe before she was six years old, she was in like fourteen countries. So in Amazing. Europe, Amazing. like, um, so me and my wife joke that you know we kept you know we got her we got her passport saved, and uh, we we joke that you know when she's older she's gonna when we tell her where she's been she's not gonna believe it and she's gonna take that passport and you know go revisit all these places we've been in Europe. So it's pretty pretty cool, um, great experience. Um, you know, met some great people along the way and, and, and just a different mentality to, 
to things. They're they're obviously a, a lot more laid back than we are in their lifestyle. At times, we we try to do eight hundred things in a day, and you yep. know they'll have coffee for four hours and some <laughs> get everything done or whatever. You know, so, yeah. it's uh, it's a little bit different of a lifestyle, but but um, you know, I got to play. In, I really enjoyed playing in that central um, Europe kind of in in Switzerland and Germany and Austria. I, I really enjoyed that, that kind of experience where I was. So if you were to pick one, Corey, for our listeners, which, which one would it be from, you know, like you said, Finland to Germany, to Switzerland, to, to Austria, if you, if you were able to go back in your career and, and land uh, in one spot for, for your, you know, your last four or five years, what one uh, would you have picked? Uh, Austria. Um, yeah. You know, Germany's up there too, very close uh, to that. And, uh, but Austria just, it was so beautiful. It's such a beautiful country with the mountains and, and everything and, and the rolling hills in certain areas. It, it was, it's, it's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous, breath, breathtaking. And the good thing about that, when I played in the Austrian league and who knows what it will look like after, you know, COVID here and hockey returns over there, but we had a, we had about nine imports over there. And, and some teams, like if you had an Austrian passport, you weren't considered. So, you know, sometimes you had 10, 11 imports on a, on a team. And um, it felt kind of like North America, to be honest. Yeah. But, so that was, that was cool because, you know, that always helps when there's more, you know, Canadians or Americans and, and stuff like that. And, and then it helps in the family too, that, you know, your wife has, you know, friends, um, you know, outside of the rink to, to hang out with when you're not around. And, you know, that gives your, gives your daughter, you know, some, some communication other than, you know, hearing German and stuff, you know, they can communicate in English with each other. So that lifestyle helped. And, and it's just very, very family oriented in Austria too. Um, you know, they, they do a lot. Family's a big thing. A um, lot of, a lot of aid through to the government there and they just promote family and kids and stuff like that. So if I had to go back, I, I, I it was, uh, it kind of checked all the boxes off for me, to be honest with you. That's awesome. Awesome, Corey. That's uh, just absolutely spectacular insights on, uh, you know, your career and, and what it was all about. Like I said, the two-time Calder Cup winner, OHL MVP, Red Tilson Trophy, uh, Les Cunningham Trophy MVP. Um, the list goes on and on, and, and you know, it'll be something uh, for me being a new market boy that, uh, you know, I've always followed you along and, and, you know, cheered you along the way. Before we let you go here, Corey, we always ask uh, one question on Ginger and Dutch. Uh, you know, we go back to our golf pro roots, so I'll hand it over to Dutch here to end us off. Okay. <laughs> how, right. is, how is your golf game? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's non-existent right now. <laughs> non-existent. It's, uh, when I, when, before I had, before I had my daughter, I would play, um, I played, you know, probably 40 rounds a summer, maybe even more, maybe close to 50. Um, it seemed like my routine was, uh, you know, work out, skate, and then go to the golf course. So I, I, I it was a real, I, I got into routine and I loved it. Um, but then when my daughter was born, um, you know, kids take up a lot of time so it was, it was a tough sell to uh go work out and then go skate and then try to go to the golf course for four or five six hours at a time so uh i started playing less and less and it's just the way it is and uh, i haven't played much um i'd love to get back into it i'd love to find some time maybe i can get my daughter into uh enjoying golf and maybe i have to take her to the driving range and see if she uh she picks it up and enjoys it, but, uh, I haven't played much. I wish I had, um, it'd be great to get out more often than, uh, than not, but it hasn't been the case lately. So it's not, uh, not well, 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 I've listen, played. let's get, uh, let's get your old man out and, uh, and ginger and I will, will get you out for a game. Uh, I know you're, uh, you're just uh, enjoying some early retirement. Uh, good luck with, uh, whatever, holds the future for you Corey. we wish you all the best and we thank you so much for joining us on the ginger nudge podcast hey thanks guys i really appreciate uh you having me on and uh, good old new market boys and I, I wish you guys nothing but the best so um thanks very much well that was another fantastic interview it's great to have somebody local on uh cory lock known him since he was about 10 years old it was uh, it was pretty cool i know you're a little bit still uh you're, you're still kind of tweaking your brain's still going on this uh this thought that he should have been the nhl what do you what do you say ginger yeah i i just got to get this off my chest I, I just don't understand it dutch um i talked about in the interview all of his accolades from you know the calder cups to the mvps to the domination um across the board of the ahl and the european league uh you can bring up his stats you know 
the kid scores 151 points. Yes, folks, bring it up, Hockey DB. 151 points in 66 games. Follows it up with a 120 point season in in 03 and 04. Um, I just don't, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And and uh, I had to get it off my chest. There's more to the story. Uh, Corey's such a humble young man, uh, great family man now, able to retire on his own uh, on his own terms. But uh, there's more to that story there, and, and he took the higher road in that interview for sure uh, because if it was me, that frustration would have boiled over long before. But uh, what a fantastic career. What a pleasure having him on. Um, well said. Yep, well said. So, Dutch, let's uh, send it off to break. When we get back, we're going to get into uh, the Blitz. Five topics, five minutes. Or at, least, <laughs> at least we try to keep it five minutes. Ten minutes, but we'll be good. We've got some huge topics coming up. Uh, PGA Championship in golf. We've got the NFL. We've got baseball. Rob Manford, you better buckle up, kids, because I'm throwing you to the trash. We got Raptors back, dominating as usual, and we've got a little bit of hockey going on in the NHL. We'll catch you on the flip side. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. So welcome to Ginger and Dutch. Time to throw out the trash. Welcome to Ginger's Garbage. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Make sure you're following us on uh, all of the social media outlets. We're launching a fantastic contest through our sponsor, Maui Gym. Dutch, well done. Giving away a brand new pair of Maui Gym sunglasses. So it pays to listen, folks. Now, let's get into the Blitz, starting with number one. Here we go, number one. NHL back in action. First few games, Hawks, major upset to start, but they're back down to reality. Montreal Canadiens, Carey Price steals the show game one. They're back down to reality. What about the Tuchuk hit? Penalties, penalty shots. Our beloved Leafs just stole a game today. I shouldn't say they stole a game. They were dominant today, finally. What do you think? It's been great. Yeah, hockey's been, uh, they stepped up to the plate. The NHL's done a great job keeping the COVID-19 um, at that zero level. The uh, hub cities are doing absolutely a fantastic job, and everything's going off as seamless as usual. So, um, But yeah, these series are shaping up pretty nice. Our picks have uh, had some ebbs and flows along the way. Uh, started out, like you said, great with the uh, the Hawks. Uh, I had to rub it into a few of our listeners there that, I, that Taves and the boys came through clutch in game one for me, but... Um, the big guns. It's all about the big guns right now in the NHL Dutch. Um, they're all showing up. You know, um, Johnny Toronto scoring today for the Leafs. Austin Matthews pocketing it. Uh, McDavid had a hat trick. Uh, Taves, Kane are showing up. Crosby scores for Pittsburgh last night. Um, just absolutely spectacular. And it's uh, pretty much playoff hockey, the best that we could expect it. So, uh, what do you think of the Chuck hit? Because I know it was uh, bothering you earlier. Because I- I'm sorry, but. There was nothing wrong with it. I know he's arguably crosses the line, but you listen to Berkey talk. Come on, man. He that he did nothing wrong, and he answered the bell like a man, like he always does. And I have no problem with the way he plays on edge. That's a Dutch special. That's a Dutch special right there. <laughs> That's something you would do, eh? You fall off balance, and your legs gotta lift up and go into the back of some another man's leg. Come on, just fall into the boards. Yeah, and break an ankle. Well, there's there's no way he falls back. He's he's a couple feet away, and his leg comes straight up and is at that exact level. It's absolutely ridiculous. The kid plays on edge all the time, and I I respect that. But you gotta be able to okay, so control your legs. Paul, you're gonna follow down Paul Maurice's uh, speech there. Of it was filthy, dirty, blah blah blah. Come on, man, it's hockey. Let them have their game. Let them play. You know, just because you can't skate doesn't mean anything, right? Well, whoa, 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 whoa. I never said I couldn't skate. It's just I can't stop. But no, it, it, he plays on edge, and, and there was no need for that. He could have continued into the boards. I think it was a cheap, dirty play. I agree with Paul Maurice calling a spade a spade. But, uh, hey, that's hockey, and it happens sometimes. I just love the penalties. They're, they're actually calling it like regular season. So um, we'll agree to disagree on the Chuck hit. All right. Number two, NBA back in it, rocking the bubble. Um, how about the Lakers? How about the Clippers? Uh, after the first couple of games, doesn't look like a too much is going to change. Uh, let's finish this regular season up strong and get into the playoffs. Um, 
hello, America. America, I know Canada already knows, but uh, the Raptors, did anybody last check? The Raptors are good. No, they're actually great. They started off 2-0 after the break here. Give them some credit here. 18 losses, third best team. This is a business trip. These guys are going to take a deep run. I got them knocking down Milwaukee. They're going to go to the finals this year. Don't forget Houston. You can't count them out. Houston's off and running. You've got Westbrook. You've got Harden. I know they're both ball hogs, but they're both healthy, fresh. They don't have to do it all. They're going to be there to play the Clippers, the Lakers. You're right. Nothing's going to change. Maybe the Portland Trailblazers might sneak in the eighth spot over there, but nothing's going to change on the east. I think the Raptors are locked in at two. They're going to get one good quick... Uh, Quick run here. I think they're going to end up playing uh, Brooklyn or um, I don't have the other team in the top of my head, but they're going to make a deep run. Raptors are for real. People, pay attention here. All my American listeners, they're good and they're here to stay. Typical Dutchman. Wooden shoes, wooden head, wooden listen. The king. That's what it's all about, folks. Give your You want to worry about Harden and Westbrook being fresh and healthy? The greatest of all time is here, and he's here to stay. LeBron is ready to go. He's got AD. That's what it's all about. It's going to be the Lakers in the final, and I'm sticking to what we argued on many podcasts ago. I got Lakers-Bucks going to the final. The Raptors will make a run to the Eastern Conference final, but they'll fall just short this year. They just don't have the horses for the courses, and uh, yep, it'll be... A tough defeat, but we will not be raising that championship again. Of course you're taking the number ones. Of course you're taking the number ones. Number three, baseball. Rob Manford, what are you doing? He says, play on and do better. Do you agree, or do you think it's going to get worse? You think they're going to shut down? There's four, five, six different teams that have postponed games, postponed left, right, center. What the hell's going on? It's time. It's time to join Lou Williams. In Atlanta for the greatest chicken wings in America, Dutch. <laughs> Baseball, it might as well shut her down, guys. Uh, the Cardinals now are at 13 uh, cases, coaches, this and that. There'll be more games postponed. We got the Blue Jays back in Atlanta where this whole thing all went down with the Marlins. I wouldn't want to play. I can't believe they've even got them there. Rob Manford, we're throwing you out to the trash, pal, because you are the worst commissioner going. You need to be fired. And we need to get baseball back under control here. Let's go back. How about going old school? Right? Grab your ba- grab your bag. Grab your bat. Grab your glove. Let's go to the diamond. You're yeah, telling the only me. sport that just doesn't care about that. Oh, they need that. They were already bitching and complaining about the Buffalo Bison Stadium. Oh, oh we, we, we need a proper uh, clubhouse, as they call it. Give me a break. I agree with you. Let's go back to old school. Take your, your bags to the diamond where you've got four diamonds there. There's fields everywhere, just like in Orlando, across the board. Bubble this shit up and figure it out MLB Rob Manford we're throwing you to the garbage Ginger's garbage alright number 4 PGA Tour WGC how about our picks listeners hope you made a few bucks and the first major of the year here we go PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park Dutch what do you think well <clears throat> first of all I don't know if anybody was paying attention, but uh, I certainly was, and so was my uh, my fake pocketbook with uh, picking another winner. That's two of the last three weeks. I had Justin Thomas, and I also had second place in Daniel Berger. I know three weeks ago you had John Rahm. We also had two T6s, so out of our six picks, everyone, we had four in the top six. We are on an amazing run and is going to continue with the PGA Championship. I'm excited for the PGA Championship, um, although it, it, it comes with mixed emotions. I actually had a tee time booked for March 25th at TPC Harding Park before COVID went down. We That's were, right. We were doing a family trip. We were pumped to go over there. Uh, my family, my wife, my, my son, we were ready to go. Um, it's an unbelievable shot maker's course. Going to be a great test. Um, I'm excited for it. Tiger's back in there. He's been over there all week practicing. It's going to be a fantastic run. We'll fire our picks up soon. Any last remarks on the PGA? Because I know we're going to hit another home run. Yeah, we're jacked up for the PGA. Can't wait for the first major of the year. It's always a special moment. Usually you get it at Augusta. But uh, we don't have that this year with the COVID-19. But uh, obviously we're going to love the West Coast 
swing. Um, it's going to be on late at night, national television. Just another thing for Ginger to watch and Ginger's wife to pull her hair out. Goes to love you, honey. Goes to ten o'clock, eleven o'clock on Thursday, Friday, and it'll probably go till nine o'clock prime time on uh, on Saturday, Sunday. Pretty pumped. All right, number five, NFL. Anything? Yeah, Lamar Jackson voted number one by I believe his peers. Across the board, more opt-outs, up to 45, maybe even more than that. Anything else going on? What are they doing? Well, they're, I'm hoping they're taking some notes here off of the MLB. I think this might be the best thing that happened to the NFL is watching the debacle of Rob Manford and the uh, the MLB. Um, they're making some changes. Some teams are actually doing some... Um, some firehouse protocol. The Buffalo Bills actually only had three actual cases of the COVID-19, but they did a practice run trying uh, to see how things work. How can we get our facility cleaned? Um, what's gonna, what is it going to be like when we have to send people home, when we have to send the staff home? That was just a pure practice run. Minnesota Vikings might be doing the same thing coming up here soon. So they're just getting ready. There's going to be football here. But uh, following along, like we said last week, uh, with some of these opt-outs, uh, they've changed the wording on the contract, so you're starting to see it already. Guys are getting cut. Guys are getting picked up on different rosters because when somebody gets cut now, they're allowing that cap space to be freed up, Dutch. So, for instance, uh, the Jets cut Brian Winters. Buffalo Bills pick him up right away. They had to cut two of their guys on the opt-out, star Lou Tulele and EJ Gaines leave. Frees up the $13 million in cap space. Cap space. Boom. They just got a veteran starting quality offensive linemen coming right in off of the New York Jets. So we're going to see more of this along the way. The Patriots now have a lot of cap space. How are they going to fill all these guys that have opted out and left? So we're going to see some late activity here in the NFL. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the player vote, uh, I don't even pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, how does Patrick Mahomes not be the best player in the NFL over the last two years? But hey, jealous, jealousy, buddy, jealousy wins the Super Bowl. And of course, they're going to give it to Lamar because he had the stats and he played the whole season. And that's the way it goes. I agree. I think it's nonsense. And he's not he's not in the top. He's not number one. But that's besides the point. So we're not far away from football listeners. Uh, only about another four or five weeks away. And hopefully we can be kicking this thing off uh, in early September. And we'll get deeper into it too as the season gets ready to go. Um, as the as the minimal preseason. But we'll uh, we'll get into some NFL because that's our, our number one. And we love that anyway. So that wraps up the Blitz. Um, before we uh, finish this off, we do what we always do. <sighs> Why not? Everybody wants to make a couple shekels. Let's ride it. Well, it's hot. Let's maybe. go. Let's take our three picks here. Do you want to start? You can go first this time. I know I'm the. Uh, I know I've picked the winner last week, but maybe uh, you can pick well, one. Oh yeah, yeah. Humble brag for Dutch there. I had Rom three weeks ago too, so yep. we're both hot here. Yep. So yeah. But uh, I didn't do much research on this one, Dutch. I'm I'm riding that feeling when you're hot, you just go with it, and and uh, so my my uh, my big gun pick of the week, as we always do. I think he's going to show up. He hasn't been showing much form. But he shows up for these majors. He He's the best driver of the golf ball in the world. And I think that's going to be an advantage at Harding Park. And that's Rory McIlroy. Uh, I think he's going to be there in the end. And I think he's going to take the crown down and, and win this golf tournament. My uh, my lock top 10 of the of the week pick is going to go to some guy who's shown, uh, guy who's shown really good form lately. And that's uh, Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, T6 last week, another top 10 uh, three weeks ago. So he's showing some good form. That uh, golf swing is smooth as butter, and uh, it's going to work well on a little laid-back West Coast-style golf course. And my uh, my sleeper, he's climbed up inside the top 50 after the last few weeks with some good finishes, and uh, that's Joel Damon. Guy hits an absolute country mile, um, can make 10 birdies in a blink of an eye. Um, so I got Joel Damon as my sleeper pick of the week. Dutch? All right. Well, I'm going to go backwards, uh, and I'll, I'll save the big gun for the end. So I'm going to go backwards, and I'm going to talk about somebody who's who's been over for about three weeks. He started a little bit late during the uh, return, and uh, he's kind of flying on the radar a little bit in his first restarts, and that's uh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood. I think Tommy Fleetwood's going to have a fantastic uh, start, or, or I should say fantastic PGA Championship. He had a fantastic finish to Sunday. I think he shot 65, and he's ready to go. Second. This guy did not even get shown on the telecast once on Sunday. He shoots 66, finishes T6. They don't speak of him once. That's a Callaway boy, Xander Shoffley. 
And my number one pick for this week, and how can you go wrong? For my counted out boys, a little DDP here. Three time, three time, three time champ. We're going with Brooks Kepka for the three peat for the PGA Championship. Even though we got a fantastic threesome of Tiger, JT, and Rory for their first two days. Sorry, guys. I don't think any of you are going to be in the top five. Those are my picks for the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park. Yeah, we're, as golf professionals, we'll always go back to it. We're super excited for this major. Um, going to be tons of late-night golf coverage, so we're absolutely jacked for it. Dutch, as we always do on the Ginger and Dutch podcast, we're going to leave you off with some closing thoughts here. So what do you say? Well, before we close off, we're going to have, we got to throw this in here. We got our own little major. You're throwing me for a loop here. Yeah, yeah, we got our own little major here. So the Ontario PGA Championship, which is a big, big thing for club professionals, as Ginger and I both are, although we're not good enough to play in it, or I should say compete in it. It's actually at our home golf course. It's the Ontario PGA Summer Championship. So we're going to pick a winner in this. Are you ready? I'm throwing you for a loop, but I've got a winner. Oh, you're putting me on the spot yeah, here, so but you, I, I know the field. Okay, I so, can so, dial one up. So we got about 80 of the best Ontario golfer, Ontario PGA golfers, club professionals, teaching professionals across Ontario coming to play. What's going to happen here? So go ahead. Fire me a pick. Well, I'm scrolling through the field here, Dutch. I got my computer up here. So let me just give me one second here. Oh, I got the winner. I got the winner for sure right here. It was that easy. It was that easy. That easy. He plods his way around, hits the ball where it needs to be hit. I know how the golf course plays, especially on the front nine. Billy Walsh will return back to the winner's circle and take home the 2020 COVID PGA of Ontario Championship. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. But I'm going to go and stick true to form with this week's picks. And we're going to go back to back instead of three p we're gonna take nick kenny out of the national golf club to win and repeat for the ontario pga championship boys you're in for a tough ride the golf course is not easy there will not be a 13 under double digits for two rounds i'm predicting minus five minus six over two days uh, is gonna take the crown awesome what a way to end it off so signing off on the ginger and dutch podcast We'll catch you on the next episode. Make sure you're entering into our fantastic contest. Thanks to Maui Jim for the sponsorship and a great prize giveaway. Make sure you're sharing, liking us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's all for the Ginger and Dutch Podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.